mornings. I'm Chris Oaks. And coming up today, more than $82 million will be wagered on the Super Bowl in Ohio alone. Now that it's legal, we have what every first-time sports gambler needs to know about betting on the big game. Also this morning, a new short film funded by the Home Depot examines the way American response to major disasters has evolved in the three decades since Hurricane Andrew in 1992. We'll take a closer look. And we have details on the latest 4-H events and activities from the Hancock County OSU Extension. Lauren Berner kitzler will be here to tell us what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, February 6th, 2023. So the only thing that everybody seemed to be talking about over the weekend was this Chinese spy balloon that uh, floated across Alaska and parts of Canada and then floated across the entirety of the continental United States before it was finally shot down off the coast of Carolina over the weekend, and uh, everybody was talking about this. Uh, the uh, Chinese, what are they doing? What are they doing? What are they doing? Um, and I was watching all of the uh, Sunday news shows, and probably the best take on this that I heard, I can't remember who said this or on which program, because I was I watched them all. I DVR them, and I watched them all because I want to, See what people are talking about, and I think it's interesting. But anyway, uh, so somebody basically said they're gaslighting us. I mean, think about it. What could they possibly, what could the Chinese possibly learn from this spy balloon that they didn't already know? I mean, they have spy satellites. We have spy satellites. Everybody has spy satellites. And for that matter, you can Google satellite images (laughs) Of the of the Earth, what is it that this spy balloon that was taking these pictures supposedly? Um, what could it uh, have possibly? What information could it have possibly gotten that they don't already have? Um, and they they had to know that we were going to see it, that it it was going to be detected, that it wasn't going to be incognito. It's this huge balloon at sixty thousand feet is. It's not a uh, surprise that we discovered. And I think, I honestly think, we were being punked. <laughs> I mean, that's the only logical explanation that there are a couple of guys sitting around in their office in Red Square, bored one day, say, hey, want to have some fun? <laughs> let's, let's mess with the Americans. And they, uh, <laughs> they launched this balloon. It just, it had to be just... Uh, just for the fun of it. I mean, I, I, you just wonder what other uh, realistic explanation could there, could there be. But the uh, Chinese insist that it was a weather balloon, that it was uh, there to collect weather data, and it, uh, that it was a, a weather uh, research balloon that drifted wildly off course. And, of course, no one believes this, but that is, that's their story, and they're sticking to it. To the point, and this was the, the part that I got a big kick out of, the Chinese are sticking to their weather balloon story uh, to the point where they have now fired the head of their National Weather Service. 
he got fired because they were trying to stick to their story that it was a weather weather balloon. And how would you like to be this guy who all of a sudden gets fired? He's like, what did I do? What did I do with this whole thing? So anyway, just a uh, bizarre story, but uh, it's been shot down. And that was the uh, one thing that everybody was uh, buzzing about uh, over the weekend. So it is Super Bowl week. Are you ready for the big game? This is crazy. You know how uh, this is like the biggest sales week for avocados in the United States because everybody's making guacamole for the Super Bowl. And you might be surprised at what it takes to bring those avocados to your local grocery store. A truckload of avocados uh, headed from Mexico into the United States can be worth as much as $100,000. And as the Super Bowl draws closer, some shipments of Mexican avocados are getting police escorts <laughs> at the border. Uh, one driver, Jesus Quintero, says his route uh, is safer with the added protection. Believe it or not, he said they have stolen uh, one or two truckloads of avocados every week. It's... It's not daily like it used to be, he said, because now they're uh, our escorts. But, uh, yeah, they steal truckloads of avocados. He said when he was robbed, thieves not only took the fruit, but the vehicle itself. Uh, Police are escorting about 40 trucks a day, helping 300 tons of avocados reach your kitchen for game day. So (laughs) we we can't protect the border against... uh, All of these uh, illegal crossings, but by golly, we'll get the avocados to your uh, grocery store because heaven forbid we should be without guacamole for Super Bowl Sunday. At least we've got our priorities straight here. Um, Speaking of the Super Bowl, it looks like Tennessee may be the first state to actually make the Monday following following Super Bowl an official holiday. It says here, uh, football fans in Tennessee may be rejoicing at the bill by Senator London Lamar and Representative Joe Towns Jr. They have introduced a bill that would replace Columbus Day with the day after the Super Bowl as an official state holiday. Uh, Congressman Towns says the day takes a toll on the workforce as many people skip work the day after the game anyway. The bill would need bipartisan support to pass and would go into effect next year if it does. So, watch that very closely. Tennessee may be the first uh, state to make Super Bowl Monday an official state holiday. And they're not even in the Super Bowl. So, I think if they can do it, by golly, we can all do it. That's what I'm uh, if you Do you take the, the Monday after? We have never taken the Monday after the Super Bowl off. Uh, this is not something... Uh, that we do. Fortunately, the Super Bowl actually is played early enough in the evening that it's usually over by what ten, ten fifteen, something like that. So it's not like the college football national game, national championship that goes like almost until midnight. They actually the this is one thing the NFL does right. They start it early enough that most normal people can watch the game and still get a decent night's sleep before work the next day. Unless, of course, you overindulge. And this is kind of interesting research out of Stanford University. 
are you one of those people whose face turns red when you drink? If so, this is actually a genetic variant that inhibits the body's ability to process alcohol. That's what's going on if you're one of those people that you get flushed when you drink. Um, And it is more than just a blush. Researchers say this variant could put you at higher risk for heart disease. Uh, This uh, Stanford University research study also found that common diabetes drug, a common common diabetes drug, could actually help with this condition. It is empagliflozin. Have I got that right? I Probably not, but I gave it my best shot. Impagliflozin could be used in high-risk patients who carry this genetic variant. The flush experienced by those with the variant is caused by a release of histamines similar to an allergic reaction. Uh, they've got to do some trials on this. They will examine alcohol's role in exacerbating diabetes and heart disease. And if confirmed, Dr. Joseph Wu, Stanford University, says if confirmed, this should better inform patients on cutting down alcohol consumption in general. But I'm thinking, hey, if we've got a medication to fix it, why not? Uh, (laughs) It's kind of interesting. Um... So, a couple of other uh, interesting stories, the most buzzworthy stories of the day. Apparently, Universal Studios Hollywood is facing some criticism over a new ride. You you may have heard about the new Mario Kart uh, attraction at Universal uh, Universal Studios in Hollywood. Um, The ride requires passengers to wear VR headsets and sit in vehicles modeled after... Uh, Mario Kart, the video game. But the problem is the body size limitations for riders of this uh, new attraction. Uh, the, uh, the vehicles, the Mario Karts, can only accommodate people with a waist size of 40 inches or smaller. The problem is The average waist size in the U.S. is 40.5 inches for men and 38.7 inches for women. So so you have to have a waist size smaller than the average man in this country in order to ride. It means a significant portion of the population would be prohibited from getting on the ride. Um, While... It says, while Super Nintendo World will not be open until the, uh, to the general public until later this month, some Universal Studios pass holders were able to try out the new rides during a special preview event. And according to the uh, theme park designer, rides that require full restraints, such as the Mario Kart ride, limit the size of, the, uh, of an adult that can fit because... They say, if you size every seat for the largest possible person, then you are guaranteeing that the smallest people cannot ride. Um, So they tried to find a happy medium, but they actually (laughs) have made it so that more than half the population, uh, more than likely, will not be able to ride. So we'll see if they're going to make some uh, modifications or whether they're just going to bite the bullet or it's going to be... I don't know. How do you fix that? I don't know. But uh, kind of interesting. (laughs) 
40 inches or smaller when the average waist size in this country is larger than that. That seems like maybe uh, some poor planning on someone's part. I don't know. And uh, how about this? Uh, Finally, we have an answer to the problem of plastic straws once and for all. You know how... They say plastic straws are horrible for the environment. These single-use plastic straws like you get in fast food restaurants, they go into the trash, they go into landfills, uh, millions of them end up uh, polluting the oceans, and they don't break down for centuries. And so a lot of places have gone to paper straws, coated, wax-coated paper straws. The problem is, of course, those do tend to get soggy if you don't drink a your beverage quickly enough now scientists from the korean research institute of chemical technology have created bio biodegradable straws that will not fall apart in your iced coffee the team has accomplished this they say by using a biodegradable plastic and uh along with a similar uh, type of coating that they use on the paper straws but they are coating biodegradable plastic straws. Uh, So far, they're in testing. The straws have held up in cold drinks, hot drinks, and when stirring beverages. And the best part is that these straws fully decompose after just 120 days, even in the ocean. Uh, Dr. Oh Dong-yop of the Korean Research Institute of Chemical Technology says, quote, the difference will be profound over time, unquote. I'm thinking, finally, somebody figured out, instead of trying to make us use paper straws, just figure out a way to make plastic biodegradable. The problem is plastic is not biodegradable. Find a way to make it biodegradable. It seems like a no-brainer. But there you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Partly sunny today with a high of 42. Partly cloudy tonight, a low of 33. The United Way of Hancock County says its 2022 campaign raised nearly $2 million to allocate towards grants that provide critical services to one in four residents of the community. United Way CEO Angela Dabosky. We know that changes in the economy have impacted so many children, families, and individuals in our community. And we're so proud to support programming that delivers critical services and tools to those who need them most. The United Way's Grant Review Committee identified food security, children's issues, housing, health, workforce development, and transportation as community priorities and voted to fund 23 local programs that support those areas in the coming year. Get more on the website. Ohio's Attorney General, along with more than a dozen others, are warning two pharmacies against selling abortion medication. The push comes just weeks after CVS and Walgreens announced plans to sell abortion pills in states where it's legal to mail the medication. The Attorney General claims laws in their states individually ban mailing abortion pills. Abortion advocates in Ohio have already said changes to FDA requirements would eliminate enforcement of a two-pill regimen to induce abortion to be accepted in person. I'm Yolanda Harris. 
Ohio health officials say fears of a triple-demic of respiratory illnesses in Ohio this winter are beginning to fade. There had been concerns about flu, RSV, and COVID cases creating a perfect storm of problems for doctors and hospitals. But while we have seen peaks of each so far, they have not come at the same time. In fact, flu cases in the state have dropped dramatically over recent weeks. Medical experts still recommend getting vaccinated when possible to help keep yourself safe. WTOL 11's Amanda Fay reporting. Finley City Schools is reminding students and parents about a couple of days off this month. The school district posted to its social media a reminder that there will be no school on Friday, February 17th or on Monday, February 20th. Friday the 17th will be a professional development day for staff members and February 20th is President's Day. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. I'm Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. The countdown is on to Super Bowl 57, the first NFL championship game in which Ohioans can legally wager. So this is a big deal. And joining us once again is Matt Shook, Senior Content Manager for PlayOhio.com. Matt, is is the Super Bowl the the biggest event for sports books? I would think it is, right? Yeah, it's the biggest single event. Now, if you're going to add together all the March Madness bets coming up, uh, from the the college basketball tournament that would pass it but yeah for a single event yeah. super bowl far and away the biggest one so and being the first one that people in ohio can legally bet on like we said is a big deal but how much bigger would it be had the bengals been in the game again this year because i'm sure that you always see a bump when a, a quote-unquote local team is involved yeah, there definitely would be a bump, but um, I actually talked to our data analyst about just this question, and he was a little bit less enthusiastic about it being uh, a mm. huge, huge bump. I mean, people are going to bet no matter what. Everyone's going to watch the Super Bowl, and if it were me and if I were a big Bengals fan, I'd probably do this thing where I bet against my team <laughs> so that you still win money even if you're bummed out. <laughs> that your team lost. But well, no, nonetheless, Chris, I mean, this is going to be huge. $82.6 million is what we're projecting wow. will be bet on the Super Bowl just in Ohio. Wow. So big deal here. Now, I'll admit that I myself am not much of a gambler. I follow the money lines and the odds more out sure. of curiosity and to get a sense of what people are thinking about the game. So uh, when the line opened up between the Chiefs and the Eagles right after the championship games, uh, the conference championship games, I thought it was interesting that there did not seem to be a consensus. One site had the Chiefs as favorites, another site had the Eagles. How often does that happen? Yeah, you're exactly right. It was a surprise. It, it was rare that between all the bookmakers and all that was going on, and, and it really kind of starts in Las Vegas and filters to the apps from there, the, the, the companies that service the Ohio betting industry, your fan duels and DraftKings and whatnot. So mm-hmm. you hit it on the head. It was very rare. There, there were books that had different teams as the favorites. There were books that were going with a pick but it seems to kind of solidified with this one and a half number that I've been seeing mostly lately for the Eagles uh, being the favorites. And it seems like the sharp money, which is the big time, really sharp bettors that put big money on it and the ones that are professional gamblers, so to speak, that seems to be moving towards the Eagles uh, public a little bit more of a 50 50, but uh, I would, be interested to see how that kind of works out going into week two of Super Bowl hype. At the end of the day, sometimes you bet on quarterbacks, sometimes you bet on players. And if you believe that Patrick Mahomes 
can get healthy in two weeks, mm-hmm. that's going to be a tough guy to bet against. For yeah, sure. no question. So I want to get kind of basic here because there are likely going to be folks who may be sports wagering for the first yep. time on this game. Now, I know how the money line works. Like when it's minus 115, that means you bet 115 to win 100. But when it's a plus 125, that means you bet 100 to win 125. But how do those plus and minus numbers work on the point spread? What is that telling us? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. So first of all, there's there's two different numbers you're talking about when you deal with the point spread. And that, of course, that being the point spread itself, where one and a half, let's say you're betting on the Eagles, they are one and a half point favorites. That means that if the Eagles only win by one point in that game, you actually lose that point spread bet because the Chiefs, um, that bet is for the, you know, the other side, the losing part of your bet being that the Chiefs win or if the Eagles only win by that one point. So point spread bets different than money line bets. And then what I think what your question's getting at is the after the point spread, there's also another number that says, uh, you know, usually something like minus 110, sometimes minus 105, sometimes just plus 100 um, at the books. And uh, usually it's going to be minus 110 on both sides, which means um, that's the big. That's the uh, the price you got to pay for being a better. That's the, you know, sports books win in the long run unless you are really, really sharp on it. You've got your own uh, really kind of a cottage industry of, of, of numbers and, and, and books set up. And that's something that we always talk about with Play Ohio. This is a form of entertainment. You're never going to get rich. You're right. probably not going to overall win when you're sports betting it should be just an additive to your sports fan experience yeah so what that means is you're gonna bet uh about you know 110 bucks to get a hundred dollars so it's just kind of the the quote-unquote betters tax you got to pay but (laughs) there's so much competition with the uh the ohio sports betting industry right now that a lot of times especially some of the mid-range to smaller books, will offer straight-up bets where you can go that plus 100 and basically get even money on that point spread. Yeah, that's a good point, that with so many sports books uh, operating, you can kind of seek out one that has the more favorable payout based on the way you want to bet or the way you want to wager. Um, Does the the plus or minus, I mean, I'll see some uh, some of them list uh, that say the Eagles or two and a half point favorites or whatever. And sometimes they'll say plus two and a half. Sometimes they'll say minus two and a half. Is that the same thing? Just a different way of writing it? Or is that telling us something different there? Yeah. So it, with, with point spreads, uh, the favorite is going to be the one that's minus one and a half. Okay. And the, 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 the underdog is going to be the one that's plus one and a half. So that means that you're betting that team plus you get one and a half points. Gotcha. So you're betting that team minus the one and a half points if uh, the, the difference on that spread. So betting, uh, so those are kind of the traditional ways of wagering uh, with the, the point spread, against the spread and on the money line. But those that's far from the only way to bet on the game. Yeah, absolutely. There's all sorts of prop bets. And in a lot of ways, it's become more popular than the actual betting on the game because you get a lot of the um, you know, who's going to score the first touchdown, a lot of bets that have to do with the fantasy football that we've been doing for so many years as mm-hmm. sports fans. So you're used to whether Travis Kelsey is going to catch six passes over under those kind of things. People are used to following those things now. I'm, and, and I know all sports fans through the years have heard about all the novelty bets right. that are out there. Also, uh, what Gatorade color the winning team is going to pour <laughs> exactly. on the coach, yeah. how long the national anthem is going to go. Uh, I guess I have kind of bad news to pass along for the people who want to bet on that in Ohio. Um, 
Novelty ones have not been approved, ah. and this is this is something that the Ohio regulators um, and I think wisely. Uh, you know, when you think about those kind of things, look, you can there can be information that is out there. I mean, I remember some sometimes someone does the sound check the day before on the national anthem, and information got passed along that such and such singer was really going long, you know, or something like that, or. You know, you could have people manipulate a low level, whoever's doing the, the, the Gatorade setups on the sidelines. You could pay off that person. I mean, I know maybe it sounds crazy, but I, I think that yeah. that's yeah. some controls that, you know, the Ohio regulators, the Casino Control Commission, I think they're doing a great job of starting kind of slowly in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. making sure that everything is, is, is a thing that everyone is comfortable with, protects the players, protects the, uh, the integrity of all the betting, the last thing that we need in a market like Ohio, which is brand new and uh, obviously going to be something that's here to stay, is uh, some sort of scandal or something that right. goes wrong. And yeah. In a lot of ways, that they're doing a great job of watching this. That is a like that it. is a good point. I I remember one of my favorite all time prop bets. I think it was a few years ago. Something like would would Adam Vinatieri or David Beckham have more uh, uh, points scored or or successful kick goal scoring yeah. kicks? <laughs> so I mean, just all kinds of really creative uh, ways that we always hear about, but interesting to uh, note uh, for Ohio wagers. Let me ask you this. What are the sucker bets? I mean, like I go to Vegas. I know that there are certain casino games that are more complicated or certain ways of betting in certain games that have extremely long odds and people who know what they're doing will avoid that. What is what is the equivalent of that in the sports books? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think uh, one of the things that I noticed during these playoffs and, and what I thought of was a sucker bet and they actually ended up cashing. So what do I know? But <laughs> obviously the, the Dallas Cowboys kicker was having so many problems knocking down extra points that going into the week, two, the second game that, that they actually overcame Brad Maher missing those, those kicks, they said they uh, put a, f- a few of them put up a bet saying, what if he misses another one? in the next game and put it up for like plus 400 or something like that. And I was like, that's a sucker bet. There's no way he's missing another extra point. And of course, what happens the next week? He he misses misses an extra extra point. point. (laughs) And so that, that back cashes. So a lot of those like wild things that have happened before, are you going to bet that? So I know like, um, you know, some of the bets that are out there in Ohio right now, you know, Jersey number over under of the first or last TD score, mm. um, whether any player will score a TD and the ensuing two point conversion, a kick that's going to hit the post. Um, you know, some things that they kind of jog your memory of, mm. yeah, a lot of kicks hit the post. Well, it doesn't happen in most games, you know, it happens right. maybe once once a weekend but that's you know a handful a dozen plus nfl games that are going on during the regular season another one is the mvp um you know if you're gonna go you know mahomes hurts or the field that might be an interesting one but for you to uh know intuitively that it's definitely going to be travis kelsey or it's definitely going to be miles sanders or something like that that to me seems like a pretty bold way of picking the super bowl so i would characterize that a little bit in that sucker bet realm as well. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, Matt Shook is senior content manager for PlayOhio.com, talking about wagering on the Super Bowl, the first one that Ohio residents will be able to uh, bet on, at least legally. Uh, Matt, thanks very much for taking the time. We certainly appreciate it. Anytime, Chris. Thanks. 
So if you were asked to name the most devastating natural disaster of the past 30 years, I think most people would probably go right to Hurricane Katrina. But before Katrina, there was Andrew. The first named storm of 1992 struck Florida as a Category 5 hurricane, causing $27 billion in damage, which is equal to more than $57 billion in today's dollars. And now, 30 years later, a new short film called Hope Builds explores the recovery process and how that event shaped the way we respond to community and statewide disasters even today. Funding for the film was made possible by The Home Depot, and recently we spoke with the Senior Director of Creative Design, Briar Waterman, along with home improvement expert, Joe Cobb. Briar, let me start with you. You actually profile not just Hurricane Andrew, but also the wildfires that destroyed the town of Paradise, California, and the tornado that leveled Joplin, Missouri, and people remember those events as well. What does the film reveal about the preparedness and response and the way it has evolved each time these disasters hit. Yeah, you know, I think disasters really come over, these storms really come over all of our roofs and affect all communities. And so the thing that it, it really the film highlights is you, you need to be prepared before because a lot of times there's not much warning. And so the preparedness that you take before really helps set you up. But the truth is, in those moments, there's really nothing you can do to prepare for just the devastation and the loss that happens to so many of these, these families and these communities. And so, you know, Home Depot, the thing that we learned, especially from Andrew moving forward, was that we had to be prepared as a company, as part of that community, so that we could open up our doors when it's safe and be there in a time of need. And a lot of times what you'll see is our parking lot becomes almost like a town square for those communities where not only do we serve with, with all of our supplies, but the Red Cross, Team Rubicon, others really stationed to make sure that people have food, water, fuel, all those services. Joe, uh, as Ryder's mentioning, you know, ultimately, and, and people who have been through these uh, storms will say that, boy, there's ultimately nothing that you can do to truly be prepared. But that being said, uh, preparing to the best uh, of your ability ahead of an emergency is so critical. It is, and we recommend that everyone have some type of emergency preparedness kit. Um, you want things like uh, flashlights and a first aid kit. Make sure you have enough flashlights for everybody in the family. Uh, you want to make sure you have extra batteries, you know, a, uh, a radio, uh, bottled water, uh, extra food. Uh, maybe have some tie-down straps or some tarps as well in case roofs are damaged. And then if you have small kids, maybe you want to pack some small playing cards or a little stuffed animal to kind of keep them preoccupied. And then don't forget about your pets. Maybe some extra pet food is a good thing to have in there as well. And you can never go wrong with a good roll of duct tape. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, all of these uh, things that make for a uh, complete and, and strong emergency supply kit uh, are very important when we talk about protecting ourselves, protecting our families. Uh, also, a number of precautions you say we need to take uh, with respect to our home, both inside and outside. Really simple steps you can do. First and foremost, any small items that could be blown around by the wind, bring them inside. Anything that's too large to bring inside, 
you know, strap it down. It's not always the wind that does damage, but it's things in the wind. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't store any flammable materials around the side of your home. Um, make sure that your gutters are clean, your roof is clean of debris. Um, if you're uh, susceptible to any wildfires, again, if you're using any decking material, make sure it's fire resistant. Um, flooding, you can make sure that your sump pump or any electrical devices or at least one foot above ground to keep them operating in terms of a flood. And again, uh, all of these things uh, apply and are just as important when we're talking about um, you know any uh, emergency. It doesn't have to be a multi-billion dollar hurricane or a wildfire that it, that levels right. an entire town. Uh, these things apply for you know any type of uh, of emergency, uh, maybe where the power goes out or you know uh, you know local localized storm, you know things like that. Uh, and one of the other things that I know we've talked about this uh, in the past is that in many uh, emergencies, the number of people who are injured or killed uh, actually come more after the fact than during the storm itself. And so making sure that we say stay safe in the aftermath is very important. Absolutely true. A couple of things you want to do. Number one, if there's ever any flood or anything like that, you don't walk around in the water because you don't know what's in there. There are live power cables. You know, sometimes there's wildlife in there. Um, and then a lot of people use generators when power goes out. So generators are a great tool, but what you want to make sure is you don't use them indoors. This needs to be outside, including your garage. And you need them at least 20 feet away from your home. Uh, and you want that exhaust facing away from your home. And then finally, use the right extension cord. Uh, You want something with a 14 gauge. Typically, that will provide enough power to, say, a small refrigerator or freezer, any type of window unit as well to keep you going in those hard times. Again, it all uh, boils down to being prepared as best you can and then uh, going about the recovery as safely as possible. Again, uh, Home Depot Senior Director of Creative Design, Briar Waterman, uh, with us along with home improvement expert Joe Cobb. Uh, Briar, we mentioned the uh, the film Hope Builds. It really is a dramatic look back at some of these uh, incredibly uh, devastating storms and what we learn coming out of them. Where do we... Uh, where do we find that? You can find that online at homedepot.com backslash hope build. There are also links to, to preparedness kits and, and other resources to make sure that your home and is safe and, and prepared before that. Gentlemen, thank you both for taking the time this morning. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank, thank you, you very much. Our pleasure. Information that makes a difference. Good mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Now, this is all kinds of weird. A fugitive who was wanted for a uh, a charge of vandalism against the Goonies home in the state of Oregon, the home where the movie The Goonies was filmed filmed back in the 80s. A fugitive wanted for uh, vandalism uh, at that home was arrested last week by the Coast Guard. Let me give you the whole story because this is really bizarre. Uh, Police have been on the lookout for a suspect who allegedly left a dead fish at the residence in Astoria, Oregon, where the classic 1985 movie The Goonies was filmed. For some bizarre reason, somebody left a dead fish at the house. 
So police have been uh, on the lookout for this person. And then early Friday afternoon, the Coast Guard happened to be in the area on a training mission when they were called to rescue a man from a yacht being slammed by large waves at the mouth of the Columbia River. They, they were later able to identify him as Jericho Labonte of British Columbia. And it turns out that was the guy who was wanted for the incident at the Goonies home. And uh, he was also uh, wanted on some outstanding warrants for other crimes in his native British Columbia as well. Now, it was complicated by the fact that after they rescued him, they took him to the hospital, you know, get checked out, and they didn't think any, anything more of it. It was only in later that they discovered who he was. So they went back and picked him up, and then it turns out that the yacht, which capsized in the incident, was also reported stolen. So, I mean, this guy had all kinds of <laughs> all kinds of weird. Uh, no word on why he vandalized the house or why he stole the yacht, for that matter. I mean, just weird. <clears throat> but now he's safely behind bars, so he won't be any of that ever again. Uh, let's see here. Again, here's another uh, weird story out of Massachusetts, the other uh, side of the country. Police in Hatfield, Massachusetts, are on the hunt for a stolen statue of Shrek. <laughs> that's that's right. The Hatfield Police Department has launched an investigation for a 200-pound cement statue of the famous ogre after its owner reported it missing. See, now this is the thing. If I if I owned a 200-pound cement statue of Shrek and it got stolen, I would be afraid to report it stolen because I wouldn't want anyone to know that I had a 200-pound cement statue of Shrek. But uh, his owner reported it missing, and in a post on the Hatfield Police Department Facebook page, the thief has asked to return the statue, mostly because the dragon statue that he lives with is frustrated and lonely. (laughs) Uh, I would imagine that the owner of these concrete statues is frustrated and lonely you really want my honest opinion here uh shrek of course the fictional green skin ogre depicted in the popular series of movies uh of the uh, same name so here's hoping that the shrek statue is returned forthwith um this is embarrassing story out of florida because every day there's got to be a story out of florida a janitor in the uh, jail at the county courthouse in Orlando uh, is now recovering after accidentally getting locked in a holding cell for an entire weekend. Uh, Libia Vargas Didinas was cleaning the cell last Friday, not this past Friday, but last Friday at the county courthouse in Orlando when the door and the closing uh, on the holding cell closed behind her and locked automatically. The 72-year-old janitor was stuck without her cell phone, without her key card, and most importantly, without her insulin. She is diabetic. She had no food, but was able to get water from a faucet in the cell. She wasn't found until Monday morning when the staff showed up 
uh, after the weekend. She was uh, taken to the hospital right away. She is recovering. She says she only made it through the ordeal thanks to prayer. And uh, officials in Orange County say that the automatic locking mechanism <laughs> has now been removed. Really a good thing. Can you imagine being stuck? No cell phone, no key card to get out, no way of contacting the outside world, and you just have to wait there. It's crazy. Glad that had a happy ending. Um, a weird discovery at the Detroit Metropolitan Airport. Uh, what was this last week? I believe it was customs agents at Detroit Metro found a dolphin skull in someone's luggage. (laughs) The skull of a dolphin agents found the skull while conducting a routine x-ray of luggage left at the airport. The bag had apparently been separated from its owners in transit. According to U.S. Customs and Border Protection, transporting marine mammals or the skulls thereof, is not allowed. The skull has been turned over to investigators, and so far, no information regarding a possible suspect. I don't understand. I mean, you know whose baggage it is, right? I mean, don't are they supposed to be tagged? I guess if the luggage isn't tagged, but it would have to be tagged. Uh, you can, Can't you just scan the thing and find out who it belonged to? I don't know. Anyway, they're still looking for the person who tried to smuggle a dolphin skull through Detroit Metro. Weird. Uh, Speaking of animals, this in Japan, zookeepers at the Kujukushima Zoo were shocked when a gibbon, this is a kind of monkey, and a gibbon named Momo gave birth in February of 2021. Why was this so surprising? Because Momo had been living alone. She did not have a mate. She had been living by herself. Now, Momo, once the the baby was born, was very protective, so it took quite a while before zookeepers could uh, approach the young primate to perform a paternity test. But now that they have, they have discovered that the proud father is Itu, a gibbon who was being kept in an enclosure adjacent to Momo. Upon closer inspection, zookeepers found out that the two must have made contact through a small hole in the wall separating the two enclosures. (laughs) Nothing can stop true love. Uh, The zoo will soon officially introduce Momo and Itu to one another so that they can live together as a family with their child, their their baby. (laughs) And they'll probably... Patch up the hole in the wall just to be on the safe side. Because <laughs> Momo apparently gets around. You don't want the... <laughs> and finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, guests of a hotel in Des Moines, Iowa, were in for a big surprise uh, the other day when a naked man waving a toilet plunger began pulling fire alarms. <laughs> 21-year-old Tevin Wayne Hill of Las Vegas was arrested in Polk County, Iowa, um, January 28th is when this happened, so what, a week and a half ago. Uh, He was charged with assault while displaying a dangerous weapon, the toilet plunger, as well as disorderly conduct and first-degree criminal mischief. The Des Moines Police Department reports that Mr. Hill, plunger in hand, 
was on the 18th floor stairwell of the Des Moines Marriott downtown when he approached a hotel guest, made threatening remarks, and began chasing the man uh, during <laughs> the toilet plunger. Uh, during that time, Mr. Hill also began pulling fire alarms as he ran across several floors, all while swinging his plunger. Police officers eventually arrested uh, Mr. Hill and took him to the county jail. He posted bail the following day and appeared in court last Thursday where he pleaded not guilty to all charges. Bizarre. So it, what really struck me about this story, this guy from Las Vegas wreaking havoc at a hotel in Des Moines. When usually isn't that the other way around? People from, <laughs> from Iowa would go to Las Vegas and cause havoc at a hotel. Maybe that was the point. Maybe the guy was just like, how do you like it? When, <laughs> how would you like us to come and do this crazy stuff in your town maybe that was the point all along there you go uh that is today's broken news report an update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming and yet another major brand just announced it's halting all social media advertising the two most overused and abused words in advertising are truth and trust they are the two most precious commodities for all brands big and small as an advertiser you have to trust your partners to protect your brand's truth using the media consumers trust radio it's on this message provided by wfin time now for your daily download the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives according to the latest data from nielsen which tracks all kinds of data in these here United States. According to the latest Nielsen data, cannabis is now more popular than nicotine in several large cities across the United States in which both are legal. Portland uh, leads the pack. Portland takes first place among the cities where cannabis is more popular than nicotine. In Portland, 28, or 20.8% of those surveyed said that they used cannabis in the past 30 days compared to only 12.7% who said that they've used nicotine products. Hmm. And by the way, it's worth noting that they included everything, not just traditionally smoking marijuana or smoking cigarettes. The survey also included the use of edibles, e-cigarettes, and vaping products when accounting for both cannabis and nicotine use. Cannabis also more popular than nicotine in Seattle, San Francisco, Sacramento, Denver, San Diego, and Los Angeles. Nicotine products still more popular in the southeast, particularly cities like Charleston, Huntington, and Knoxville. So, make of that what you will, but I thought it was interesting that uh, in many cities, United States cannabis now more popular than nicotine. And we wonder, have we traded one vice for another? Time to find out what's going on, what's happening, the latest events and activities. The Hancock County OSU Extension talking 4-H with Extension Educator uh, Lauren Berner-Kitzler with us uh, this morning. Lauren, thanks very much for uh, dropping by. We appreciate it. You've got, uh, first and foremost, a fundraiser coming up uh, for the uh, 4-H program, which is kind of cool, and a chance to maybe check out someplace new. Yes, we do. So good morning, listeners. Thank you, Chris, for having me. So yes, our big new fundraiser we're going to try this year is called Raise a Little Dough. 
um, teaming up with the restaurant Pyology here in Finley mm-hmm. um, to help support and raise funds for our 4-H community. So. Very cool. And if you've not been to Pyology, it's really a, a, a neat operation. You get to uh, you know pick your own toppings. It's a really cool pizza uh, pizza plates over uh, on uh, Trenton Avenue, uh, right there in the uh, plaza with uh, with Walmart, Walmart and all yeah. of that. Yeah. So uh, if you haven't been, it's a great opportunity to go check that out and uh, help the uh, 4-H folks. Definitely, yes. So Amy over there, she has been wonderful to work with. She actually reached out to us, um, seeing what we could, what they could do to help our 4-H community. So I'm very, very excited. Cool. Um, it'll be taking place Monday, March 6th okay. from 4 to 8.30, their evening shift. Um, and that is perfect timing because that is actual National 4-H Week. So uh-huh. a great way to kick off the first day of 4-H Week. There so, you go. So very exciting. one month from today. So circle that on your calendar for yes. uh, March uh, 6th. And what do you do with the with the funds that you would raise uh, with that? I mean, hopefully raise a lot of money, and then where what does that go to? So those funds that we do raise go to a multiple of different things, from awards to camp scholarships to trips that our 4-H members are eligible to take. And then the biggest one that we use a lot is camp. So camp, like everything else in the world, has gone up. Mm-hmm. So it is a lot for families to send their youth to camp. So we look for fundraisers like that to help support those. Things. Especially, I would think, if you've got multiple kids uh, involved in 4-H, you don't want to leave anyone behind. So, Definitely. Yeah. So camp this year is going to be $200 for okay. a camper. So yes, if you have multiple kids, it, it can add up can pretty add up quickly. So we quickly, yeah. love our fundraisers. That so. is uh, that is awesome stuff. Uh, so again, circle that on your calendar beginning of 4-H week which I know is always a uh, a big deal and next month we'll talk more about that but uh so important to recognize uh just how big 4-H is in the community it is and we have lots of activities planned not everything is squared away yet but I do can I can share one very exciting piece is so our master sewing clinic, our um, head teacher for that, Joyce Schroeder, is actually working with youth taking a sewing project to make baby blankets and burp cloths so we can then take them to Blanchard Valley Hospital and congratulate all of our babies born during 4-H week. So, very cool. Yes, I'm very, very excited cool. so for that. We look forward so. to that. And uh, again, when we have you in here uh, the next time, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But uh, you've got a couple of other things uh, going on here in the uh, coming weeks to highlight. We do. So our first big one is 4-H enrollment. So the deadline ends April one. So this is a time if you are thinking of 4-H, wanting to join, take part, get involved with a club, now is the time to do that because that deadline ends April 1. And um, I wanted to share some fun facts with you. So we have a total of 39 clubs here in Hancock County, which kind of breaks down to 181 volunteers and advisor and 436 families. So very exciting. So yes, April 1. And there's something for everyone, whatever your interest is. I mean, you've got uh, projects to cover. Oh, absolutely. There are projects from sewing, woodworking, um, quilting, to a new one that's coming down is Ready, Set, Mow. So teaching youth how to mow the yard. So I, I'm kind of excited for that one. So I think okay. it'll be very good. Very so. good. And and uh, a lot of uh, high-tech stuff, uh, a lot of uh, science, technology, and engineering, math, the STEM. Yes, uh, so STEM is very big within the Ohio State University. So mm-hmm. we do have Sphero balls, robots. Um, we use our iPads a lot for a lot of that STEM stuff where we're going into school. So very exciting. So think about that. Everything from quilting to robotics and everywhere. Maybe somebody could build a robot to sew a quilt. Yeah. yeah there you go. Very possible. So, yeah, very possible. Throwing that out there. Yes. Just throwing <laughs> that out there uh, if you are so inclined. But that deadline 
uh, to register. And again, it's for everyone. Again, yep. we think of uh, 4-H as being something that's rural involved, and that's where the roots are. But Absolutely. It is not just livestock, and that's what mm-hmm. most people think when they hear 4-H. Right. It's so much more than that. Um, and we there is something for everybody. There's over 200 projects of a variety that um, youth can choose from. And so. it is a uh, tremendous uh, organization. Kids who are involved in 4-H always go on to uh, to great things. So yep. obviously doing some terrific groundwork. And then what else is going on? Okay, so our next big one is also happening April 1st. And it's not an April Fool's joke, but we have our 4-H Endowment and Benefit Dinner. And this will take place, um, like I said, April 1st out at our fairgrounds. And this is a night where our community comes together and, again, just helps raise money and support our area youth, again, for trips, camps, scholarships, awards. So it's it's a very wonderful night coming together. There's a catered meal, entertainment, and then there'll also be a live auction as well as a silent auction. So mm-hmm. lots of donations coming in from our clubs, whether they are homemade or bought. So a great overall night. Okay, very good. And, uh, again, this is open to anyone? Yes, anyone. Um, you do have to purchase a ticket. Tickets are $25 and can be bought at the OSU Extension Office. And those are on sale now? They are, yes. Okay, very good. And uh, again, it's a great way of supporting uh, the youth and the uh, tremendous uh, opportunities and uh, everything that goes on with, uh, with 4-H. Yes, because without our area businesses, our community... It would be very difficult to do what we do. So, no absolutely. And I know historically, uh, Hancock County has been one of the uh, strongest 4-H programs in the state. We so. have, yes. So I don't know where our ranking is, but I know we are high up on. Well, that we'll list, say we're so. number one. Yes, we'll oh, say oh, let's go with that because nobody is here to tell us differently. That's true. We'll, very true. Yes, <laughs> we'll claim number one. But no, I, I do know that uh, historically, Hancock County has been among the uh, strongest counties, and you know that's a point of pride. We want to com- uh, continue to to be that. So. Absolutely. So that's my goal as the educator. So big shoes to fill. And uh, again, if folks want uh, tickets to the uh, endowment dinner and auction, those are on sale now? Yep. Uh, they can call our office or stop by our office um, anytime. We are open from 830 to 430, Monday through Friday. Um, you do have to purchase purchase your ticket in person. We, we do not mail them. Okay. Or, um, um, and you mentioned that the dinner itself is on April 1st. Is there a deadline for tickets? There is at this moment. I, I don't know what that deadline okay. is, but you can purchase tickets even at the door. So we're okay. op- we're open right. for anyone. Okay, so. uh, but uh, terrific to uh, to get those in advance. So you've got yes. a uh, that good way you have a count. seat and yeah. you are ready to go. Exactly. And uh, again, the uh, Pyology uh, fundraiser is a month from today and on March sixth. So yes. Very good. Uh, we've got a link up for more information, everything that's going on with the uh, 4-H, uh, Hancock County 4-H program, Hancock County OSU Extension. Lauren Berner-Kitzler with us uh, this morning. Thanks very much for the update. Thanks, we appreciate Chris. It. Have a good day, listeners. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day at our webpage. Check us out online at goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, Congressman Bob Latta will join us. We'll talk about his priorities as the new chair of the Energy and Commerce Subcommittee on Communications and Technology, particularly with respect to the growing threat from China. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. And you're back here tomorrow.